Hey everyone, and welcome to the Forefront Podcast. We are a community of pioneers exploring and building at the forefront of the Web3 playground. We've dug through the noise and surfaced a signal on the state of the art of tokenized communities in the internet native economy. Enjoy this bi-weekly roundup of the latest and greatest in social tokens, DAOs, and more. Eric, Bell, Brian, Nate, Dwayne, got the squad here. How are you all? Throw some GMs in the chat. GM, GM. GM. What's up? We're here with Sam from Glass today. We'll do like a good like 30 minutes because Dio, his co-founder, is also going to be joining. So we'll dig in. But so Sam, if you want to give it a quick introduction for folks in the audience, then we can dive in. Hey, I'm, I'm Sam. I'm one of the co-founders of Glass. We do Web3 video stuff. In a past life, I was really into scientific research and I actually spent some time working for NASA, sending shit to the space station. Dude's a freaking rocket scientist. Good stuff. We appreciate Just you doing tiny like glass samples. Actually, it's ironic. I used to work specifically in glasses, like the material glass. And that's part of the inspiration for the name, along with other things, but it's a little homage past there. Tell us that origin story. How did glass get started? Where was your head at? Who was part of that process? Give us the spiel. Yeah, totally. I was working with my two co-founders on a Uber social app. We were all in college at this quick pitch. At UChicago, I went to Loyola, but they went to UChicago. But I was just being a bum and hanging out there. I met them and started working on this consumer social app. And that was probably my sophomore year of college. And then two years, we just spent learning how to build software together, which was a really great experience. And we got users and it was super gorilla and tiny app. But we just learned so much about building social things and getting people interested in like cold building. And then it was a summer or a month or two right before graduating that we were all vaguely interested in crypto. I was really into crypto in 2017, right when there was the Ethereum bull run. I got in just in time to lose all of my money, but the tech was super cool, st stuck around and just started learning and digging into that. A month before graduating, we were all in the video and honestly, we were just playing around and seeing if we could decentralize videos, if it was just possible. This space has changed so much in just one year, but at the time, like, Doing a video on IPFS or Arweave was super difficult. So just started playing around with that and then ended up making a really hacky waitlist actually with Jihad with Mo. And the way that it worked is it was a viral waitlist. Airbnb, I, or sorry, Robinhood actually used the same tactic a long time ago. But the idea is if you share the waitlist with other people and they sign up, then you get bumped up in that queue. So you get access before everyone else. So we just threw some NFTs on that and launched the waitlist. And we had some really vague marketing, but it ended up blowing up on Twitter, just spreading. Everyone was like claiming the waitlist and sharing the referral link. So we just got really lucky and ended up getting, I think it was like 50,000 people signed up in a week just through this viral stunt. And that honestly really changed our trajectory just because we started to realize that, okay, there's something here. Ended up going to, I think it was like Bitcoin Miami. Didn't go to a single Bitcoin event, but met a lot of Ethereum people that were there and really just started realizing like how powerful crypto can be. And also we're all very creative people. We really like art and music and film. And so personally, I really wanted to be a video creator. I still want to be a video creator. So I think the labor of love is just simply building like the place that we'd want to actually put our videos as founders and then also for the creators that we work with. But yeah, over time, started to learn, got better in the space. I remember it was the summer right after college. So this would be like 
July 2021. We were aggressively trying to get this first product out, learning a lot how to connect to Ethereum and how to write smart contracts and all this stuff. And we finally just came up with this really simple test. We're like, okay, we just need to get something out and see if it works. But we did. It was very similar to Mirror Edition. So just like 15 NFTs at, I think it was like 0.15 at the time. And we just hooked it up with a live stream of us. And we were using like live peer for the live stream and then really simple hacky additions. But we just post out this like link for the live and it's all three of us. And we're just fielding questions about glass, talking about it, why we're into it, the origin story, why it matters. And we were sitting there on the live stream and people were just aping into this NFT, just like buying it. And that was a wild experience. I don't know, something about just like making so much just from so quickly, just from creating content was really special. And then we ended up actually airdropping that back to everyone who initially supported us and signed a message to support us earlier on. But that experience really stuck with us. And it was like, okay, there's something here. There's something really special about that experience. If we can do it for ourselves, like we can do that for other people. And that really was a decisive turning factor for us. And then we started to expand into other, into like video on demand. So we started with live streaming and then realized that video on demand is really important want to have content on the site that people can watch at any point. So the next version, we worked for the rest of the summer and then in September started to actually get our videos to, to play. We switched over to our weave and did our first drop with 27, or sorry, with Salem Marley. And it was an auction, I believe, yeah, a reserve auction with Salem Marley. And I remember the first day we were so worried about, it, it was our first video and we set up the site and got everything minted. and. We were staying up super late trying to create the contract on mainnet. And I remember we spent, I think it was like 3K, just trying to deploy the contract and having bugs and, and stuff like that, but got it up and working. And then the first, the, like the reserve price, I think was like 420 because Sayla Marley, she's related to Bob Marley. And I don't know, it just felt right. So we did that. And I remember I was like really worried. So I like kickstarted the bid. I like basically spent all of my money just to kickstart the auction. I was like sitting there super nervous because I just didn't spend all of my money on kickstarting this auction. And then 10 minutes later, the second bid comes in and just a sigh of relief. And then it starts getting bid up and bid up and bid up. And I mean, with every early launch, there's a lot of hype and a lot of people are, right? it draws attention, but that just initial kind of, those proof of concepts that we could actually monetize creators and significantly monetize them was a really big push for us. And then. We spent the rest of the, after that sold, we were relieved and really excited. We started working on doing more additions. Overall, pretty bullish on additions. But at the time, it was a very different period just for like media NFTs, music NFTs, just creator monetization in general. So we weren't sure if reserve auctions would work or additions would work or if there was some better form of monetization that existed. So we spent a lot of time really trying to think of different ways that we could monetize creators and just collaborating internally and then talking to other people externally and just trying to get tight feedback from our the creators we work with. And so we ended up doing a lot of research on like bonding curves and then guaranteed reserve auctions, which is more of like a fine art thing, but you can have a guarantor who basically secures the first bid. We were thinking of like crowdfunding, so party bid, but then everyone who crowdfunds it receives upside. We were doing a lot of research just on the actual monetization structure of how do we financially support these creators. Ended up launching Prism, which was the bonding curve model. I don't know if y'all have seen it. I can drop a link in the chat, but really interesting. Got a lot of engagement. But over time, that model started to break down just because there's this problem of basically with any bonding curve, 
the price gets more expensive as more people mint it. And so it's a little pyramid, which it can be fun, but ultimately we're trying to steer away from monetization directly from speculation. I think we we acknowledge that speculation is a piece, but ultimately the goal is to just connect fans with creators and really be able to be in that that creator and show support in a really meaningful way. So we ended up just rethinking everything, taking a break, pausing, reflecting on everything. And then, yeah, ever since we've been working on a V2 version of Glass, which is actually going to launch pretty soon, within a month, probably, yeah, August 1st is our target date. But that'll be fully overhauled and really focused more so on, on forming connection between fans and creators, and then also playing around with the social, really like leaning more into social and less into financialization. Yeah. Thank you for that. That was sorry. Sorry no, that was long. Oh, no, that, was that, was, that is, dude, as a host, that is what you want. You want people to talk. You don't want to have to ask questions every 10 seconds. Yeah. But, I will say, I, I honestly, being super early is not always a good thing. Sometimes it feels like we're running in the wrong direction. And I feel we've actually, we've done that a decent amount. Think something's cool, chase after it, test it, and then realize that, okay, maybe this doesn't work. Continue to do that, continue to do that. One thing that I'll say is probably the biggest lesson that I've learned is keep things really simple and focus more on cognitive understanding. We want to make it really simple for people to understand, really obvious. And that's something that I personally just didn't prioritize as much as I should have in the very beginning. But it was a really good lesson to learn. Just keep things really simple, try things as easily and as quickly as possible. Yeah, it's a huge lesson. 100%. And one way that you guys are doing that is by focusing specifically on music videos. And I think intuitively that makes a lot of sense, but was that an intentional decision from day one? Like at what point did you decide that like music videos was going to be step one for class and really a point of focus? I think it was a couple different factors. Music NFTs were not a thing. Really, there was catalog, but it was very early catalog. So music NFTs in general, it was a really small space, but we saw that there was some initial traction there. Also just looking from YouTube metrics at the content that performs really well on other platforms like YouTube and TikTok, music tends to do really well. And then the third factor is just that our personal network is a lot more tapped in with visions compared to other forms of video creators. So it was like a couple of different factors, but trying to be pretty intentional. A big thing that we're pushing for in the next launch is to expand the types of content that's hosted on Glass and make it a lot more open. I'd actually love to dig into the crowd a little bit and hear what type of content you would be interested in seeing. Yeah, please, if anybody has ideas, drop them in the chat real quick. And then towards the end, we can invite people to stage the jam. What were the biggest lessons from the launch yesterday? What went right? What didn't go? What do you guys got to fix for the next time when you get Drake to launch on Glass? Yeah, I think what went really well is the organization around the drop. Just as we've been doing this, we've learned a good process for how to tweet it out, get the marketing ready, communicate across our own team. And then with these larger creators, they have a full team that works with them. So getting like communication flow better and just generally being really prepared. I was really happy. There were no problems with minting or the video, everything worked perfectly there. But I think what went wrong is the pricing. So actually when we were talking to Timbaland, he really wanted to initially set the price for 0.8 ETH and we like pushed basically heavily back on that. We were pushing for 0.1 and then he compromised with 0.4. It's definitely really tricky to like value just generally NFT mid prices and then finding the right balance between supply and price. Going forward, so this is actually something we're thinking about doing on Glass is actually making the mints free. So we have to be really careful about bot prevention, but making like the primary sale fully free 
and then letting secondary sales actually lead the profit. I think it's a little bit fairer and it takes away that issue of how do you actually value upfront what the value of some piece of media is. Super tricky though. We haven't fully gotten there learning how much to value a larger creator versus a smaller creator. Just personally, a really big believer of having an even playing field for everyone. So we're trying to figure out different ways that we can maintain that fairness across every creator and then just let it play out in the secondaries. Oh, yo, I think we have uh, a yeah. Dio here too. Dio, what's up? How are you? What? What's up, guys? How are you guys? Doing well, dude. Thank you for joining, my dude. Do you want to just real quick give a quick intro and then we can continue to combo? I just heard what Sam was saying about music NFTs and how that was a good beach in market. I think when you look at the history of any technological revolution, Music always finds its way at the forefront. Like you look at Napster when it came to pure file sharing and you look at MySpace, the first music social network. I wouldn't say we want to be fully focused on music, but it's interesting again to see how music is once again at the forefront of the new frontier in technology. And we wanted to ride that way early on, but how it really started was the first live stream where we realized no. That's secret where the number one way to monetize online is probably do live stream within them. Something like this, when there's NFTs flying across the screen or something like that. And we're trying to get to that space for sure. Heck yeah. And then Sam, you talked a little bit about Prism and the bonding curves. I'm curious, what were the biggest lessons from that experiment? What, for lack of a better term, business models have worked best for certain types of fans and certain types of creators? And how do you think they each fit into the equation? Yeah, totally. Okay. I think what we did really well with the bonding curve is keep things like stupid simple. Here, I'll drop the link in the, in the chat, but you can see like the UI is really simple. There's here, I'll try to drop screenshots as well. Oh, let's see if I can do that. Oh, but there's this big buy and sell tab and it's really simple, very easy to understand. And I think that's something we did really well. But the other thing that's super important is finding this balancing act between the collector and the creator. The creator, we want to make sure they make enough money, but also we want to make sure that the collector is taken care of as well. Because ultimately these, like, these business models only work if the collector is feeling good about what they've done and supporting the creator. The idea behind Prism is basically to reserve, I think it was like 90% of the funds that were invested into that, into that NFT, hold that in a contract. And then if anyone wants to sell out, they can sell out based on the bonding curve. And so the idea there is you have fast liquidity either way. You can buy in really quickly. You can also sell out really quickly. And that's to provide security for the collector. But the problem that we were running into is that because the take fee was so small in comparison to the price of the addition, the creator really wasn't making a meaningful amount of money. So it's definitely a balancing act. We're trying to figure out ways that we can not only make sure that the collector feels good, but also the creator feels good. And it's definitely a balancing act. I'd say that we're getting closer to finding that sweet spot. I mentioned the freedom and stuff, but really excited by that. Just initially, you know, the idea is to move it to secondaries as quickly as possible, just because a secondary market is far more efficient than a primary. And so by having it free initially, just get that out into the market and then let the secondaries prove the value of the content. And that valuation is not by the creator, it's actually by the collective of owners. And I think that's really interesting. But again, the biggest issue is making sure that the creator makes like a meaningful amount of money that they can sustain themselves on. So yeah, still a balancing act. To be honest, we're still tweaking it out and trying to figure out the best mechanisms to find that balance. But yeah. Yeah, you two can tell me whether or not this is true. But my observation has been that like 
secondary sales on music NFTs have been significantly lower than secondary sales on other forms of NFTs. And my assumption there is that when you have limited edition collection, let's just say it's like a 10K PFP project, or at least there is an assumption from the collectors that there's not going to be another 10K PFP project that launches by the same creator that's going to decrease the value of what you just purchased. Versus for a musician, if I drop 50 editions of a song I just put out, there's probably going to be another song that comes out in a month or three months or another album that comes out later and that, that feels less appealing to a collector. So the relationship is very much, I am buying this thing so that I could support the creator and less so I'm buying this thing so that I could resell it later relative to peas. My question for y'all is like, A, is that like assumption true? And B, if that's true, how do you see the whole free mints and depending on secondaries playing out for the goal of actually putting money into creators' pockets? No, totally. It's always like I touch on this a lot and it's the balance between price and then supply. With the creation of something, obviously scarcity in creation doesn't make sense. We actually ultimately want people to create as freely and as much as they want to. But economically, that's actually kind of challenging because it basically deflates the collectors, the people that have collected. If they're trying to speculate on the content, as more content comes out, there's more of a supply and the price gets driven down. Regarding how we're thinking about going about that, with the free mint stuff, our hope is that it's initially not so much about actually speculation. You're just claiming a badge. But then for some time, maybe there will actually be a natural demand for it. One thing that we've been thinking about and Dial can chime in here as well, but we have mixed thoughts on token gating video contents, actually gaining access to the media. The pros, in my opinion, it's like pretty clear utility, but I think the cons is it is adding this artificial scarcity to viewership and it limits the distribution of content. But with the freedom of idea, I think that might be really interesting for token gated content. So if you're if you show up and you are present for the of a video or a creator that you really care about. You don't have to pay anything to watch that content, but if you're like late to that, maybe you have to buy it off of secondaries and hopefully the desire to watch the content may drive secondary sales. Another idea though that we've been playing with is actually trying to combine, or sorry, like use, use the purchasing of NFTs to actually earn points such that you can create. Once again, that's a weird artificial scarcity but just gamifying and trying to be pretty intentional, almost saying these limits around creation so the creator can play within these constraints. And I think sometimes constraint is actually a good thing when it comes to being creative. TikTok is like, initially it was like 30 second pieces of content. For us, how that would manifest is if you're like a new creator, you come onto the platform, you can mint a couple NFTs, and then from there you can build up your reputation and then start minting more and more NFTs. But it's slowly increasing the supply over time as you create meaningful content that people appreciate. Have anything you want to add there? Yeah. So the question is, for a creator, if you continue to create, will that deflate the value of your previous creation? And at what point will video NFTs give returns that are 3x, 4x's? to potential collectors and lies that are happening right now. I feel like it's interesting. Like what Sam said, it's we always want creators to continuously create. Creation is at the core of glass and creators are at the core of glass as well. So we always want them to create. And what we've seen with a case like Younger, Younger has been dropping music videos weekly and he's been pretty much selling them out weekly. Some people cater to music videos more than others, other tracks he drops more than others. So it's like some people actually like specific music videos that he drops more than other videos. 
So it's highly subjective on the collector. And most of those collectors are not flipping it for two to three X. So it's like the experience right now, we're seeing that younger fans just support him with no expectation of a secondary flip. If we really want this to scale, I definitely think fans will want a potential of a secondary flip. And so it's like, how can we maybe a freedom mint that process where you're minting for free and then maybe selling for $10, $40, $50 on secondaries. That's really only possible when the payment infrastructure is fast, gas fees are cheap, and the experience of buying and selling is smooth and fun. And so I think a lot of the reason music NFTs haven't been selling as much on secondaries is really just because the basic infrastructure of Ethereum and just how hard it is to actually buy an NFT, having to go to Coinbase and switch out to MetaMask. Most of the people who are buying NFTs right now are more so like these guys from 2016, 2017, where there were no useful Web3 products that people could use in the real world. And so I think as we build out tools on other networks that allow for more civilian, normal people who never experienced a MetaMask and never experienced anything, it's possible to start taking two X, three X, and very soon. Yeah, I think you were, you were breaking up for a second there. The last thing I heard was the old collectors are on what I was saying is they have these older collectors on ETH and people that are like ETH native. And I do, that's not a community that is going to champion these video NFTs, podcast video NFTs, educational video NFTs. It's like you need a community that really likes educational videos to pioneer that. And they're probably not going to be the most blockchain native community. And so they just are probably looking for a really easy experience to have their favorite educational video or be able to show that as a fact. This was the video that changed my career and trajectory for education. This was the video that changed my basketball journey or whatever like that. So I think it's a matter of making the experience more native to the video categories that people really love. And then once they realize you can have ownership and potentially flip that, and they'll be like, okay, I, that's something I'm potentially interested in doing, given the experience is so easily accessible to me. Good. Yeah, 100%. Definitely agree that focusing on the actual fans is way more important than focusing on like crypto people. And that's going to shift in our thinking, really just locking in and trying to target fans and create an experience that people that actually care about the creator care about. But I think one nice thing about just having this on crypto rails is that we can be very transparent about you can see that it's going directly to your fan, how much the breakdown is, if there's fees, et cetera. And just to touch back on on educational content, I sent it in the voice text, but Nader actually dropped his the complete guide to full a full stack web three development. It's like one of his most popular videos. He's like a developer educator on Ethan and different just interesting blockchain technologies, but it was really interesting to see that sell. And I think it sold to someone who, who legitimately just found his work really meaningful. And also one thing to note, he made more money off of that one video than he has off of YouTube for five years. And some of his videos on YouTube are big. They have pretty significant views, but yeah, it just shows that you can actually support creators a lot better by going directly to their fans. Yeah, and also I was talking to Thorculus, one of the founders of Mensongs, but he buys every Genesis drop on NBA Top Shot. And NBA Top Shot itself is just video NFTs 
of basketball highlight moments. It's just one small category of video NFTs. And they've been able to do 81 million in sales with over 1.1 million registered users. And I think he has a collecting strategy where it's all collect every Genesis highlight video of every rookie or whatever. So I think as we build out the basic fundamental product, people will start to figure out their collecting strategies. And some might have a strategy where I just collect the whole things that I love. Other people might say, I'm going to just collect things that I've been going to get a lot of attention and a lot of people interested in it, a job or something like that. And so, and then some people might say, I'm only going to collect from creators that have a lot of utilities behind it. A lot of tickets to show token gated experiences. We've done token gated experience with the Wave World last week, and we've done the URL experiences. And so I think some collectors might just want that access to that creator, that ability to go to Timbaland's studio in LA and sit there and hear all this wisdom last a year. So I think it's that Warren Buffett where it each kind of year, Warren Buffett auctions off like a dinner to share with them. You can think of the NFT as the dinner, but people are really just trying to get to the creator on the other side. And I think videos encapsulate that experience and the connection being with someone better than any other digital medium. But it doesn't capture better than being like IRL. So I think videos that lead to IRL experience. So we see a soul collecting like the BC NFT and go backstage at his event at the forgetting it. But it was somewhere in New York City. And so I think these experiences and that collector literally said this was the most valuable NFT they hold. They have over 50 sound NFTs. This is a big collector. It's these experiences that we always want to suggest our creators to do that Glass also wants to add in on doing that makes these NFTs even more valuable. It's Ford Apes dropped another NFT project and then they combined other NFT projects. And then they did eight fest and then they did this and it's you want to see the first time. And so there's a bunch of experiences that you're actually getting by holding a board eight outside of just accessing that community. And so we really believe that video creators have the most interesting communities people may want to access and tap into. And that's just because we think even bigger than this crypto revolution is the video and audio revolution. Like we're here on a Discord talking to all people. This is a part of the audio revolution. Twitter Spaces is a part of the audio revolution. Clubhouse is a part of it. And this video revolution, of course, TikTok, YouTube, those big things, that is huge. This is what it's allowing for so you're to connect and come together. And it's less about thinking about it as video NFTs and just thinking about it like, what experience would this NFT allow? And what pathway does this video NFT give me into this creator's life where the creator can actually bring value to their oldest with new jobs, like with the hyperlink that we saw with the Boyd Brothers job, they actually added value by dropping the music video, Brian Tedder, to their original music video that they dropped. So that's, you're seeing it all types of ways. I mean, the creators should try to see themselves as Yaka, but at the same time, it's also release stuff to people who support you directly rather than just releasing them for free to the internet or have control over what the algorithm does and we get shown to you and there's no specific direct intent on why you're releasing this content out. So it's like Sam said, it's just that intention of you're releasing this video to commemorate the death of your niece or something has gone through your life and you have collectors out there that are going to appreciate you for being you.
It's super interesting. I think like a, another large part of this that comes to mind. So pre me working full time in crypto, I was like running a, a YouTube agency and we just worked with big YouTubers to grow their audiences, help them monetize, all that good stuff. And like there'd be these guys of two to three million subscribers who were making millions of dollars a year off of YouTube and they were struggling to just consistently put out content and getting exhausted because they were the second that we stopped putting out content we're no longer going to be in the favor of the algorithm. And to your point about, I forget who said it, like that was Nader's first or most amount of money that he's ever made on a video. Like just the fact that one or two folks bidding on a video can make that happen for a creator is such a huge unlock. But I think a lot of those creators that we were working with were hesitant to make the jump into using crypto tools, partially as an education problem, but partially because like the impression was if I become a creator that is using these like that this crypto infrastructure, let's say I'm creating a creator token and creating a community around this creator token. I am either A, selling out or B, I have to become now a crypto creator and that's how I'm going to be labeled. And I think one of the really interesting and cool things about the modular nature of, is that you could have a creator who is a YouTuber making all of their content on YouTube, making all of their content on TikTok, uses Glass as a means of just minting one or two or three of these videos or pieces of content. And it like fits within their strategy as to what utility they want to give, how they want to build community. They're not blocked into a particular means of building a business around their brand or being a certain type of creator and are still able to capture all of those benefits that you guys discussed. Yeah, 100%. That's super interesting. We're still learning and figuring out how modular we want to be. In the beginning, we had like reserve auctions, additions, and then like Prism. And then with the V2, we're trying to actually simplify things and be really consistent with how the actual mechanism of monetization works, just so that it's cognitively easier for people. At the same time, I think we're becoming really interested in like how we augment existing platforms like TikTok and, and YouTube. Right now, I don't think the Web3 experience is, is just quite ready for a huge massive level of user engagement because of the underlying infrastructure we're still getting there but what we can do is augment these other distribution platforms to really help capture the monetization i think youtube does a great job with distribution tiktok does a great job with distribution but the hard part is actually monetization so we're really focused more so on the monetization and exactly what you said like basically just trying to help create or make more than they would or at least receive validation for the work that they've done even on other platforms for sure also i saw that captain yeah i was about to get to that if we're looking at okay cool, cool, cool no go ahead if yeah the question was like twitch streaming and deplatforming is there any experimentation there yeah i think honestly our origin is there the first thing we ever put out was actually a live stream and not a static video really interested in one-on-one -on -one and more more interactive forms of connecting the fans Dom's touching on this but i think that there's something incredibly special about video in the sense that it conveys so many emotions all at once. Like you can feel happy, you can feel sad. It's just like such a information rich medium that really taps into our empathy. And I think that's great for connection and live streaming even more because you can start to have feedback loops with the creator. Definitely want to do some more stuff with live streaming. We're probably going to do that a little later, but we're just still getting the core like infrastructure set up on our end. So having profiles, having a secondary market, having all of that stuff built out but once we're like pretty stable with those features definitely want to start experimenting with like live streaming i think for us at least right now the full product video on demand and live streaming and then some token gated variants around that so not placing a primary focus on token gating or rather using it to augment the 
existing content that someone's putting out. For sure. Captain, does that get to your question? He loves another comment there too. Anybody else have questions real quick before we wrap up here? Oh, getting deplatformed. Yeah, no, it's super interesting, right? I think deplatforming is probably one of the biggest gripes that people have. So there's two main gripes of Twitch and YouTube, TikTok. One is deplatforming, and then the second is just monetization is super low. And regarding deplatforming, I think honestly, the biggest problem is not that the content itself is decentralized. Like right now we use Arnwee, so it's, we literally couldn't take down the content. But I think for a lot of people, what is more meaningful and more impactful is being booted from a platform in a really unfair manner. So YouTube will just take you down with no notice. And then you have to like, if you're big enough, you can complain on Twitter and then get access again. But if you're not, you just get completely wiped out. I think that's a really interesting area for us to explore is like actually getting to like decentralized moderation. So making it a far more collaborative and community focused when it comes to deplatforming or at least putting a warning on content. But in general, definitely an advocate of free speech. So I want to keep the platform like basically as unmoderated as possible, but we have to definitely operate within constraints. Like don't want terribly egregious content, at least easily accessible, just so that we don't like hurt anyone or expose them to something that they don't want to see. Awesome. And I'll leave it to you guys real quick. Any parting thoughts, shills that you want to share before we log off? Yo, just a huge shout out to y'all. Thanks for having us. Yeah, thanks for moderating. Brian, Maxim, Eric, Nate, Dwayne, Carlos, Kevin. Appreciate y'all for listening in. No, appreciate you both coming through. This was fun as always. Best of luck to you guys. If you guys haven't checked out the Timbaland drop already that happened yesterday, definitely go click the link in the voice text and check that out. And I'm sure we'll be jamming more soon, y'all. Appreciate y'all. Have a good one. Peace. Hey fam, thanks for listening to the Forefront Podcast. We'd love to hear from you, so please visit us on Twitter at Forefront underscore or on the web at Forefront.market. You can come through our Discord too, anytime, night or day. We'll see you next time.